Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. Welcome. It's good to be with you. I am Pastor Mike, and we are going to continue through our series on unity. We are in the third session of that series, and today we're going to be talking about gospel essential doctrines. So at this point, we've said several times there's different levels of priority when it comes to different doctrines. So what are the doctrines that we're willing to die for? What doctrines should we be willing to fight for? So today the goal is to bring some clarity to what those are. But before we jump into that, in the membership statement of faith, the third point under unity, we've already read point one and point two in the previous sessions, point three is this, and this is partly what we're going to be talking about today. It says this, when an issue is a matter of personal preference or has various legitimate interpretations, we show grace. We seek the good of others without requiring everyone to agree. We aspire to live in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity, which means love, looking out for the other person first. So that concept right there where it says in essentials, unity, it's good to clarify what some of those essentials are. So we're going to take a moment and we're going to work through some of those essentials. Now, this isn't a list that I just made up. I would suggest that this is the list that has been consistently agreed upon since the founding of the church. People have shed their blood for these truths. Possibly you and I may one day have to shed our blood for these truths, and there will be people after us who would have to then shed their blood for these truths. These are the hills on which we die. So let's go over some of these essentials, and then after that we're going to talk about the fact that even though we now know these essentials, we're drawn to drift one direction or another direction away from these essentials. First, all of these things are communicated to us through God's Word. So a foundational essential is that the Bible is God's written Word, inspired by Him, inerrant and perfect because His hand was on the entirety of the process. The Bible is God's Word. And as we work through the next essentials, we're going to do it under the heading of the 10 words of the gospel that you often hear us use here at Bible Center. God creates. An essential doctrine is that God exists. He is triune in nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is the creator of all things, including mankind, men and women, in His image. If we weren't made in His image, we wouldn't have the ability to have a relationship with Him. We designed us and made us in just a way that we would actually have the ability to have a relationship with God. Sin breaks. Sin is disobedience to God's holy commands, God's holy commands that reflect His holy nature. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standard, and therefore we all stand guilty before God. Sin has broken our relationship with God, with one another, and the Bible even says with nature itself. Why are there pandemics? Why are there natural disasters? Creation itself was broken because of sin, and the result of that is even more sin and more suffering. Next, Jesus saves. Jesus, the Son of God, was born of a virgin and is fully man and fully God at the same time while on planet Earth. He lived a perfect life without sin, and he died on the cross taking on the wrath and punishment of God the Father that should have gone towards us and our sin. 
Jesus then rose from the dead and ascended to the Father. Jesus offers forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life to all who repent and believe and are then found in Him. Those are essentials. Uh, I would even suggest that essentials extend on to the fact that Jesus also transforms. Jesus doesn't just save you and leave you. The Bible says that Jesus saves you and transforms you. The process of being changed over time is a key component of the Christian faith. If we were saved and left, there really wouldn't be much to the gospel, but we're saved and transformed and changed over time. And one day, God restores. Jesus returns. All things are made new, and Christians will live with one another in the presence of God forever. Without that component, we lose hope. So God restores. So those are the key essentials that we give ourselves to, that we live our lives for, that we provide best unity is found around. Those are the essentials. Now, maybe there's a couple more that some would argue belong there as well, uh, but those would be at least the, the basics that we would call the essentials of the faith. So if I were to put it on the board, we'll make it as simple as possible. The work of Christ. And within the Christian life, we see several things that continue to happen. So we're saved by the work of Christ, but what happens ongoingly is we still have sin in our life. We experience the grace of Jesus in our life. And because of his grace, there's growth. So the Christian life in many ways is a process as of, as of us recognizing sin, realizing that his grace covers our sin, and there's a response of repentance and faith, not to save but to grow. And then that growth, that transformation process happens and continues. So sin, grace, and growth. This is kind of the centerpiece of us in our Christian life. But here's the hard part. Even though God has made it kind of simple for us, there's several things that are happening. One, we continue to sin, we continue to be sinned against, and we also suffer. And sometimes when we're sinned against, when we sin, when we suffer, we start asking questions about the basics of the faith. Is God really faithful? Is he really there for me? Can I trust him? So sometimes doubt seeps in. Another thing that the Bible says is that there is a war taking place. In Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about the fact that there is a war between him and his old nature. What he wants to do, he so often doesn't do. And what he knows he shouldn't do, he does over and over again. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 11 talks about the fact that our old nature is at war against our new nature. War is a big word. Big things are happening. Casualties take place with war. So there's a war taking place in our own hearts, in our own souls. We're also told that we're consistently being fed lies. Lies from the enemy, lies from the world, and even lies from our own heart. So even though we are centered on the essentials, all these things are fighting against us. And depending on how we respond to these things determines whether or not we stay gospel-centered or we have a response that isn't gospel-centered. We have a tendency usually to do one of two things. The way we negotiate these struggles often comes to a fight or flight response. A fight or a flight response. What do I mean by that? Well, here's one example. With a fight response, instead of recognizing 
our own sin or recognizing suffering or the war or lies that we're believing, instead of just leaning into Jesus, trusting in his work, sometimes we start thinking, maybe I need to prove my acceptance to God. Maybe I need to prove my worth to God. So instead of leaning wholly on his grace, we start to lean on the work of our hands, the things we've accomplished. This is called self-sufficiency. We tend to lean towards self-sufficiency. And when we do this, what we do is we begin to devalue grace. We begin to devalue grace. So instead of looking to Christ and being overwhelmed by His grace, instead of being overwhelmed by His love, we start kind of depending on our own ability to uphold some standard of holiness that we think will make us acceptable before God. When in reality, the only thing that makes us acceptable before God is the work of Jesus. We will never work hard enough or do enough to be righteous or have peace with God or be able to have a right standing before Him. So what we tend to do is we decrease the role of grace and we increase our tendency to perform. We begin performing to have value. We begin performing for acceptance. So on this side, there's a tendency to go above and beyond like the normal expectations of Christianity. Where there's areas of freedom, we step farther away from freedom. The Pharisees kind of did this. Oh, you said don't walk one mile on the Sabbath. Why well, won't even walk a half mile? I won't walk a quarter of a mile. I'll stay in my house. So we look at areas of Christian liberty and we say, I'm going to step so far back from liberty to show God how devoted I really am. So there's a tendency here to begin leaning on your own devotion, leaning on your own works, instead of leaning on the grace of Jesus. We tend to fight these things and prove our worth before God. Um, there was a book of the Bible written about this. The book of Galatians. Paul spends time talking to the Galatians saying, there's not a single thing you can add to your salvation, no matter how hard you work, no matter how much energy you put into it, there's not a single thing you can add. So this concept of works righteousness or self-righteousness, Paul crushes it. He basically denounces them saying, if you try to add one thing to the gospel, you've fallen away. Don't try to add to the gospel. So there's a tendency within us when these things hit us in the face to drift from the gospel itself. And one of the directions we drift is by fighting to prove our worth before God instead of finding our worth in Jesus. Somehow our own hands do the work that the cross can only do. Another direction that we tend to go is we also have a tendency to flee or take flight, fight or flight. So this direction, we see flight. So here is a tendency towards self-sufficiency. I can do it myself. Over here, I've chosen to live a life where I just, I justify my actions. So instead of going overboard with personal holiness, I just kind of ignore it. So instead of being overwhelmed by my sin, I pretend like I'm not really in sin. So there's a tendency here to move towards, I'll use my green because I know you all like it when I'm color-coded, is self-justification. We, instead of working hard to show Jesus that I'm sorry for my sin, here we just pretend like our sin really isn't a big deal. So here, we basically de-emphasize grace. Here, we abuse grace. Here, we try to do the things that only Jesus can do. 
Here we pretend like we just didn't really need Jesus to do anything. Our sin really is not that big of a deal. We abuse grace. And over here, we tend to perform. Over here, we tend to pretend. And what I mean by that is we just act like it's not that big of a deal. Oftentimes in our pretending, we move towards... One of the things we do is we cope. We start coping. So we might drink more than we should, so we just don't feel it. We start struggling with addictions to make us feel better about our situation. There's a lot, or we get into unhealthy relationships to make us not have to deal with the feelings and the struggles of the sin and suffering in our life. So we cope and we ignore. So those are two ways that we pretend and try to just get away from that. But both of these, we are drifting from the gospel. Paul also, well, this is James. James speaks to a group of people who are basically abusing grace. They're saying, we're Christians, we recognize the work of Christ, but we're not going to take our personal holiness very seriously. So he has to tell them, faith without works is dead faith. Here he says, Paul says, is that you cannot add. It's by faith alone that you are saved. You can't add to your salvation. Over here he says, if there's no holiness, then you were probably never saved. So this is like two lines on the highway, okay? We want to live here in the middle. This is one line saying, don't go past this. And this is the other line on the highway saying, don't go past this. So these are ways of keeping us centered on the gospel itself. So whenever we drift here, our tendency is to go in one of those two directions. We tend to fight it or we see flight. Now, the book of Hebrews talks about this. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says that if we don't continue listening to the message that was taught to us, our hearts tend to drift. In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, it says that we need encouragement every single day. Without that encouragement, our heart tends to harden, which is the same idea of moving away from the gospel, because the gospel keeps our heart soft. The, hospital, the gospel reminds us that we still have sin, and the work of Jesus continues to bring tears to our eyes, joy to our heart. This joy of salvation never leaves us when we stay centered on the gospel. We have this tendency to drift, and we have this tendency to harden. And these are the two directions we tend to go. So how does this fit into our unity conversation? Well, here's what, what tends to happen, is when we're living in a world with brothers and sisters, and some of them have drifted this way, and some of them have drifted this way, oftentimes the disunity the arguments, the frustration, the anger comes from this group yelling at that group saying you're not taking your faith seriously. And then this group is yelling back at this group saying you're not allowing me to enjoy my freedom in Christ. So what they do is instead of being centered in the gospel, they're off-center. They are off-center. And from those two edges, disunity, discord, and anger, and strife, and division starts to happen. So to this group right here, to those who are fighting, to the fighters, we have to say out loud, you are fully loved in Christ. There's not one thing you can do to add to your salvation. Return to the gospel. Lean completely on the cross and what he's done for your acceptance before God. Don't tell anyone else that they need to do more to add to the gospel or to add to the work of Christ. Fighter, put down your sword. Put down your shield. There's nothing you can do to add to the work of Christ. Stop creating division. To the one who has 
fleed, who has moved away, we need to remind them, no matter what you've done, you are still loved by Christ. No matter what you've done, the front door is still open, the porch light is still on, and Jesus is saying, come home today. Your freedom, you've abused it, you've moved too far. Come back to his grace. Enjoy full acceptance. Don't no longer divide the body of Christ. Center yourself on the reality and the beauty of Jesus himself. So in both cases, we call them back to center themselves around the gospel. When we think this way, when we live this way, when we gently encourage one another back to the gospel, we find unity in the essentials of the faith. So this is a huge component of where we see division. This is a huge reason why we sometimes struggle with one another, and we don't understand why we're so far from one another when it seems like the gospel should be preserving unity. It's because we drift. It would be good for you today, tomorrow, this week, spend some time thinking through which direction do you tend to drift? Possibly your church home, your story, your relationships, the way you were raised, the friends that you kept, the pastor who taught you through your youth, pushed you one way or probably pushed you the other way. It's so hard to stay centered. It's hard for me. It's hard for you. It's, for, it's hard for every Christian you know. Which way do you tend to drift? And when you drift that way, how do you tend to treat the person on the other side of the gospel? The call is back to the gospel. The call is back to you have sin, I have sin. We all suffer. We're all at war. We're all fighting lies. The grace of Christ covers those things. And in my growth, my growth looks like this. Because I love you, Jesus, because I'm overwhelmed by your grace, I with joy do everything you've called me to do, which is what he tells us. In John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. That's the goal for today, is to bring us unity around the gospel, around the core essentials. Tomorrow we're going to talk about ethics and how do we work through differences in the way we live our lives as Christians and remain unified.